0: Hey everybody, on today's episode of Games with Bill, Square Enix surprises a lot of us. We have Switch Sports, I've been playing Rogue Legacy 2 on my Steam Deck, and a question from you guys, can you get too old for games? Those stories, maybe more, on today's episode of Games with Bill, if that sounds good. Let's get started. Yes, I am trapped in the nerd nest again. Can't go outside. For those of you that don't know, I did the previous episode of Games with Bill out in the woods. Sat down, found a rock, a moss-covered rock in the forest. I sat down, I brought my camera, I recorded the show right there in the woods, and I had so much fun doing it. And a lot of you really seemed to enjoy it. And What's even more important to me is I was pretty happy with the audio and video quality, the way that it came out, so look for that to happen again in the future, but not today uh, because it's pouring outside and uh, this stuff is not waterproof. That being said, let's jump into a game that I kind of knew was coming, and I knew that it had been in early access for a while, and I really, really enjoyed the first one, but when... Early Access started, I told myself, I'm going to wait until this game actually comes out. I tend to, for the most part, stay away from Early Access games. I like to wait until the game is actually finished, for a lot of reasons that I'm not going to get into today, but Rogue Legacy 2 has been in Early Access for a while, and we finally got the 1.0 version last weekend, or this weekend, whatever, a few days ago. And I picked it up on that day, and I've been playing it on my Steam Deck ever since. And honestly, I haven't played anything else on my Steam Deck since I got Rogue Legacy 2. This game is amazing. If you've never played the original Rogue Legacy, you missed out on a wonderful, wonderful game. And Rogue Legacy 2 takes everything that was awesome about the original Rogue Legacy game and just stacks on top of it a bunch of extra meaty, fantastic additions, which make the game that much better. First off, the art direction feels like it was by the same people, but they got better at what they did. So instead of being a 2D sprite based thing, they're going for more like a 2.5D where everything is rendered in 3D, but we only see it from the 2D perspective and it's absolutely gorgeous. The animations are fantastic, and the way things break when you smash them with your sword, or your spear, or your uh, pots and pans, yes, literally that's a thing, uh, is just really, really satisfying. Uh, The world has, I think, six different places for you to go, as opposed to the original one had like four, and as you are playing through, you will inevitably, you're going to get killed, and when you get killed, All of the gold and loot that you earned while you were in the dungeon gets passed down to your children. And then you have three kids that you get to choose from. They all have randomly selected names and traits and classes and weapons. All that stuff is randomly selected. You get to choose from those three. You pick the one that you want. You have to spend as much of the gold that your parents left you before you go into the dungeon. Because as soon as you go into the dungeon... You got to pay and it costs all of the gold that you have left to get into the dungeon. And all of the things that you spend your money on is all of those things get you incrementally better all of the time. So every single run, I mean, sure, you might go in and get killed by the first thing that run that you see, that's going to be like a, a wasted run. But almost every single time that you go into a run in Rogue uh, Legacy 2, you're always going to come out with a, you know enough money in order to upgrade something it might not be something big but it might be something of course you spend enough time in the dungeon you'll earn enough money to maybe unlock a brand new class or get new enchantments which make your character move in new ways it's a wonderful gameplay loop and i just absolutely love it and it has one of those one more time qualities where you get killed and you're like, well, I'll do another one. And you go through and you just keep doing this one more time until next thing you know, you've been playing for a few hours. And I've been playing it on the Steam Deck and the game runs incredibly well on the Steam Deck. And I think that, you know, without any tweaking at all, You get like five to six hours of battery life on the game. Uh, It's not a super demanding game, so that's not a huge surprise, but it's awesome. And games don't have to be super demanding in order to be awesome. So check out Rogue Legacy 2. It's on sale right now, I believe, until the 9th. Five bucks off, down from 25 bucks to 20. Uh, If you haven't played it, you absolutely owe it to yourself to check it out. It's super fun, especially if you like 2D side-scrolling adventures. All right. Let's move on to a completely different kind of game. On the previous episode of Games with Bill, I talked about the, you know, my story of going to Best Buy and waiting outside in November in order to get the Wii. I live in New York, so November outside is pretty cold and waiting outside overnight uh, was unpleasant temperature-wise, but pleasant because I was with my wife, and we were also with a bunch of other like-minded nerds who were really excited to uh, play Nintendo's next console. And, uh, you know, we we bought it. We brought it home. We put it in the closet. It was a Christmas present. Very tough waiting that month to in order to play the the Wii. But then we opened it up and we played it and with friends and family, and we had so much fun playing Wii Sports. It is with, I'm so happy to say that Switch Sports is the successor to Wii Sports that I was hoping it would be. Uh, I texted my wife. I said, do you want to play Switch Sports? She said, absolutely. Buy it. I bought it. It was $10 less than I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to be 50 It was only 40 bucks, which is awesome. I was very, very happy about that. Uh, we put it on. My son came upstairs. My wife and I were playing the bowling game, and my son was like, wait, is this Switch Sports? And I said, yes, it is. Do you want to play? And then we sat there and we played for a couple of hours. So real quick, let's talk about the different modes that you can play. There's badminton and tennis, which are, I don't, know, they're, they're so similar that I almost feel like, really, that's, you're going to count that as another mode? Uh, I almost feel like badminton should be considered a sub mode of tennis, but I don't want to split hairs here. There's also soccer and bowling, um uh, the sword one, which I can't remember which that one is called, and volleyball. Now, of all of those, the one to, there's two of them feel most game-like to me, and that would be soccer and volleyball. Um, soccer, you have the ability to sprint, you have the ability, the ability to kick either up, down, uh, or to the side, and you can, like, do, like, this diving mode where you dive at it and headbutt the ball, uh, and it feels basically like Poor Man's Rocket League, which sounds insulting, but it's actually really, really fun. When my son and I were playing it at first, I was like, I just don't get how this is fun with just two people. And then I realized that you could sprint because we were we're tutorial skippers. Um, I realized that you could sprint and that really kind of changes the game. You can play that with two people or with four people, I think. And honestly, two people is fine. Playing with more than two people, I think, is where that is going to really shine. So so that's something that I'm looking forward to trying out. Uh, we didn't have four people to try it with, so we haven't tried that yet. The swords, I mean, it seems really cool. I like that you can choose the different weapon types. That's neat, but at the same time, I feel like there was absolutely zero skill involved. Um, I just end up waving my hand around like a crazy person and sometimes I win and sometimes I lose, but that's okay. It's still fun to just kind of do the stupid waggle and play like it's fun. Uh, bowling is awesome. Absolutely love bowling. It feels really great. Uh, online bowling, which I don't know if the online servers are up yet. When I tried to play, I could not connect to online. Uh, but when I did do the demo, back like, I don't know, two months ago, the bowling online was awesome and really, really fun. Um, Volleyball, I didn't get to play, but my wife and my son played volleyball, and I felt like that was the game that felt most game-like, because you, um, you have, you can set, you can bump, you can spike, you can block, you have all of these different motions that you do, with the Joy-Con, and I feel like if you are playing one, like one person, uh, like two against the computer or something, or two against the other two, the communication that can happen between the two teammates is really key, uh, just from my observations of it, that you could really get competitive and have fun with it. That being said, I didn't play that one. Um, they They did. I was just speaking from watching them play the tutorial. And that I get all of them. I know that bowling is on or not bowling. I know that golf is on the way and I am looking forward to that. Yeah, I think I, I did talk about all of them. Um, it's awesome. It's nostalgic. It's really, really fun. I uh, I enjoyed the hell out of the hours that I put put into it this weekend. If you have a Nintendo Switch and you have people to play with, you absolutely, absolutely 100% you want to pick up Switch Sports and uh, have some people over. You're going to have an absolute ball. No, no pun intended. Next up, um, boy, this this really surprised me. Square Enix just sold off like most of their Western development studios for 300 million dollars. Number one, while I am a teacher and we don't make a lot of money. Uh, 300 million is the most ridiculous. Like it's a ridiculously high number when you're talking about dollars. For me, 300 million dollars seems really low for the IPs that they just sold. Let me tell you exactly what they said because this is this is unsettling. I don't like what that what's happening here. The transaction will assist the company. This is the quote, by the way. This is a quote. All right. The transaction will assist the company in adapting to the changes underway in the global business environment by establishing it. First of all, can we just say, God, don't let business people put your quotes out there. Have somebody else talk because this is this reads like a I don't know what it reads like, but it's not good. Um. Establishing a more efficient allocation of resources, which will enhance corporate value by accelerating growth in the company's core business model in the digital entertainment domain. Okay, sure, whatever. But then they said that they are going to be funneling their resources into blockchain. Now we've talked about the, the idea of NFTs in the gaming industry for a while now on this show. I'm sure that at this point you all know where I stand. I, I think it's a horrible thing. It's bad for the environment. And at the end of the day, I think it's going to push game development in the wrong direction, uh, especially when the suits get involved here. But, um, I'd like to say when it comes to Square Enix and this idea of moving more towards an NFT blockchain kind of nonsense, I'd like to say vote with your wallet. I don't think that's going to work. I think the allure of uh, short-term boost to revenue is it's too tempting for developers, and I think that we're Man, I hate saying this, but I think that just about every developer out there, or at least every publisher, they're all going to be doing this kind of thing. And I, for one, am 100% firmly against it. And I would like to say boycott Square because NFTs are bad, but... That would mean I don't get to play Final Fantasy XVI, which I really want to play. That would mean that I would have to unsubscribe from Final Fantasy XIV, which I'm having a blast with. Or maybe I'd have to stop playing Dragon Quest XI S. And none of these games have NFTs in them so far. But I think that all of our favorite publishers and developers are going to go this direction. It's hard for them to resist this, this temptation... Because there's too much money to be made. I mean, what are we going to do? Is everybody just going to stop playing video games? Am I just going to stop playing games altogether? No. So I'm at some point, I'm sure that I'll be playing an NFT blockchain game. I just won't be happy about it. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe playing this, playing some game and getting a stupid cape when I'm playing the game that I can then sell to some other person who's playing the game. Maybe that'll be a really fun experience, you know? Maybe I'll be like, honey, I just made six bucks selling that orange cape that you saw me traipsing around in. Maybe that will be the case, but the Diablo 3 real money auction house has something to say there. Here's the way I look at it. If it's cosmetic only, then it can be safely ignored. Like if, if the cape in question doesn't affect my interactions with the game in any way other than, hey, that's a cool cape, then I can safely ignore that. The problem is that if I can safely ignore it, then I can't be monetized very well. And if I can't be monetized very well, then publishers are going to say, well, you know what? What if we make that cape plus one to jump as your skill? Ah, now The Min Maxers are going to be like, well, I kind of want to have that cape, or a cape that has a plus one to jump. So I'm going to spend money on that cape. And maybe Square will get a a cut of the sale of that cape, kind of like happened with Diablo three. And somebody might say, Well, you know, that is that really a big deal, Bill? And I say, well, yes, because it turns into this slippery slope. Because at this point, if it's if it's just cosmetic, then it has no effect on the game. There's no incentivization. Is that the right word? There's no incentive. There you go. Uh, for developers to abuse that system. But if it can impact gameplay in any way, publishers might force the developers to change the way that they develop the game in order to push the player base towards spending money on this NFT stuff. I don't know if I'm saying that in the best possible way, but do you know what I mean? Maybe I'm completely wrong about this, but my guess is that when this NFT stuff happens, it's going to make a lot of publishers push development of games into a pay-to-win scenario. And then that pay-to-win scenario will be shown to us, you know, the end user. They'll be like, you can make money by playing our game." And when you do, sure, we get a cut, but you could basically, you play our game and then you earn money from the loot that you get when we play, when you play the game. And that sounds really, really appealing to people who, like, there's going to be people who think, ah, I'm going to quit my job and play this video game all day. And it's not going to work out that way. Diablo 3 Auction House. It's the same thing all over again, except this time, it's bad for the environment. <laughs> oh man, Square, what are you doing to me? Now I don't respond to every comment, but I absolutely do read every comment. And I got this comment from Red Crimson One Hundred and Two. They said, "Hey Nerd Nest, hey, uh, you feel like you're getting too old for games? Has your taste in games changed and or dwindled in your older years? I just want to know." Um, no, I don't think that you can get too old for games. I think that people's interests can change over time. That's not because they're too old for games. It's because their interests have changed. I will admit that I spend a whole lot more time talking about video games than I do playing video games. I spend a lot more time editing videos of me talking about video games than I do playing video games. But I do play a lot of video games, um, not as much as I would like. But I also really, really enjoy the, the the process of making these videos. In fact, I would say I enjoy the process of making these videos or podcasts, if you're listening to this on a podcast player, um, more than I do playing the games. And I think that it's because when I'm done, I created something. And those are the kind of games that always really, really sucked me in, are the sandbox games where you can make something, um, like Minecraft, that kind of thing. But has my tasting games changed over time? Uh, maybe. I think that because I have less time these days... I'm less interested in the gigantic thousand hour heroic epics where, you know, you're you're playing the same game for a really, really long period of time. Like, I've got 300 hours in that game. Um, those appeal to me a little bit less, which is weird because my favorite games are massively multiplayer online role-playing games, which you generate like, a ridiculous, like, hundreds upon hundreds upon hundreds of hours in those games. Why is that different? I think it's because I can interact with other people while I'm playing. Um, I like games these days that have quick gameplay loops that repeat themselves over and over and over, and when I was younger, I liked games that had intense story that I was going to experience. So, Yes, my tastes have changed over time. No, I don't think you can be too old to play video games. And um, I guess lastly, I like making videos more than I like playing video games. But hey, I got to make videos about something. All right, everybody, that's it for today's episode of Games with Bill. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. Fingers crossed that maybe next time I get to sit down and record, I can sit down outside uh, it's nasty here today. And so that's why I'm doing it here in the nerd nest. Thanks for hanging out. I'll see you guys on the next one. Stay awesome.